0: Good morning, Covenant Fellowship. We are so glad you're here with us this morning. If you will stand, we're going to get started with our worship this morning.
1: Well, good, happy early New Year's, and uh, I think that's actually tonight, is it not? It's the today the 31st? All right. Make sure. I was lost all week. I didn't know what day it was or what the schedule was, but uh, a lot of folks are still traveling, uh, still a lot of sniffles, so keep a lot of folks in prayer uh, that are out and about and uh, under the weather. If you're joining us online, we're always honored to have you with us. Just let us know you're there, Richard, standing by to be a blessing. The big thing is, bottom right-hand corner on the screen, you'll see a prayer tab. We want to be praying for you. We want to be a blessing. And uh, I assure you, it's private, it's secure. It only goes to one source, so it's not shared or displayed. But let us know how we can be praying. Any questions, Richard can get those answered for you. But thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, A few announcements. One, uh, just uh, FYI. Uh, Brother Lloyd and Carolyn uh, here in the near future are being led by the Lord. Uh, They will be going down south to live with their daughter. And uh, uh, their daughter is building them a place down there. Uh, uh, They'll be very nice for them and closer to family and and be able to help Lloyd and Carolyn out a lot. Uh, We're going to miss them, to say the least, but uh, I know that the Lord is going to continue to use our brother down there. And there's going to be folks that he encounters down there that need to hear the same gospel. Amen? And we know our brother is faithful with the gospel. And we're so excited in that aspect to see how the Lord uses him down there. But far as uh, physically missing him, we are. But he will always just be a phone call away. And I know he'll keep us up to date and abreast of what the Lord's doing down there uh, in South Texas. So we pray for them and excited for them. With the ad in mind... If you have not been to Lloyd's place, uh, the Lord has blessed him greatly uh, where he has put him all these years. But Lloyd has a plethora, is the word, a lot of stuff that he has accumulated that could be a blessing to a lot of us, men and women. Uh, God's put it on his heart. His barn is free to rummage through. How about that? Put it that way, Brother Lloyd. And uh, so if you would like to go, Lloyd lives in the Quinlan area. Uh, I've been there many times and a lot of stuff that's in there. Myself, I'm going to go. I've, I've tried to put my name on a couple of things, or one thing in particular I want. And uh, I'm, hopefully we can pull that off, but unless you beat me to it. But men, women, if you would like to reach out to Brother Lloyd, talk to him after service, he would love for you to come by. And again, he just wants to open up what God's blessed him with, uh, that he also can't move or won't be using anymore. He would want to see it go to church family that can put it to use and be blessed by it like he was. So if you're interested in that, uh, get with Lloyd. I'm not talking about just junk. I mean he's got stuff that is uh, that, huh? It's junk. I'm trying to help you, brother. I'm trying to get. It. <laughs> uh, we all have junk. We know how that goes. But some of our junk is uh, is good junk. And uh, but anyway, if you're interested and would like to go by and just uh, again, don't feel like. You're taking the handout. He wants to bless the church family the way he's been blessed. He can't take it all with him uh, down south, so it would bless him and Carolyn if it could be a blessing to us. So uh, uh, about that, so get with Brother Lloyd. Give him a call even today. Set a time. He'd love for you to come out and uh, and go through and, and, and pick out what you want. Amen? Amen. So, and as uh, far as Michelle and our Feed the Sheep ministry, If you're involved in any way, have been involved in the past, uh, she wants to spend about five minutes with those that have volunteered. uh, uh, Immediately after service, Uh, the Lord has put it on her heart. There's going to be some changing to the Feed My Sheep and the direction it's going. So she wants to bring everybody abreast to that. So if you've been involved with Feed My Sheep, I think you would be interested to see what the Lord's going to do this year. Just stay after service, spend five minutes with her, and she'll be able to share that with you and uh, get that going. You just going to meet over here, Michelle? Okay, back over here where she's sitting. So uh, that's immediately after service. Uh, Other things, our collective group. I know uh, it's been sporadic here at the end of the year uh, for our our, uh, younger age group, but we are going to be back on schedule. And so we'll be uh, starting this coming Tuesday at Sam and myself's house, so uh, that starts at 6.30. Hopefully you can be a part of that and uh, come joining us. And, of course, our midweek Bible study. Uh, we are going to, uh, we have kind of wrapped up Hebrews. Uh, I'm still praying about directed. directive. We're also praying about uh, here soon we'll be breaking back out into men's and women's group studies like we did for the eight weeks uh, during the middle of next year. So we're, uh, we're, we're looking at that. And then as far as the first of the year, I'm very excited, starting next Sunday, we are going to open up the book of James, and we're going to start a series in the book of James. Uh, James is one of my favorite books. Uh, so much truth is packed in there. So we are going to walk through for a few weeks to start the year uh, and through James and really uh, break that down and find the truth hidden within there as we kick off this new year. So look forward to that. That will be starting next Sunday. And then church cleaning will be January the 6th at 9 o'clock. Uh, please come be a part of that. We need to get all this Christmas stuff down and pack back up. We could use your help for that. Uh, and not to mention just get the church clean. So if you can be here the 6th at 9 o'clock and donate an hour of your time, it will be a tremendous blessing and we can get everything back in order and ready for the new year. Amen. All right, I think that's it. Gentlemen, if I can have the men come forward and we'll pray over service this morning.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Father God, and just thank you for this church, and thank you for the many blessings that you bestow upon our lives, Father God. And I just pray, Father God, that the new year coming up, Father God, that you uh, just keep everyone safe tonight, Father God. And um if if they need someone to reach out to someone here, we could be a blessing to them, Father God. And uh, just thank you that. Uh, you love us, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, Father God, and just pray for Lloyd, Brother Lloyd, as he leaves us, Father God, that um, that you just, you bless him and um, his wife, Father God, and thank you for um, Brother Todd and just everything that this church does, Father God, and I just pray for everyone that's not here today, Father God, you bring them back safe next week, and I just thank you for um, this offering, Father God, and let it... Uh, be a blessing to this uh, community and to continue to follow through. Uh, I just thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: If you'll stand, we're going to continue our time in worship. In Christ alone. of Christ no guilt in life no fear in death this is the power of It's about them.
3: One of the things that I love about that song is anybody can join in no matter what. If you're forgiven, you're part of that bond with Christ. So when we look at coming into the new year, are you going into the new year with him or with just you? And I can tell you, I've made all the mistakes. I have the t-shirt, I have the travel mug on going into things with just Deb. And it doesn't work for me. And I will still do it in 2024. And I will try not to. But the thing is, it's me doing all that. When I say, Holy Spirit, help me not to. Holy Spirit, lead me. I don't go into Deb so much. So if you know him and you're going into 2024 with him, let's think about being in that attitude of letting the holy spirit guide it's got to the point now where i say lord i don't even have the vision for this (laughs) this looks like a disaster i can't fix it i've tried it's yours i submit it just use your imagination because he says he will in ephesians 320 so let's just come and talk to him let him use his imagination for your 2024 let him start that clock for you and let him tick off the minutes let's come to prayer
0: In the darkness we were waiting, without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes, to fulfill the law. Sorry. love of jesus christ who has resurrected me praise the father praise Praise the father
1: guys so excited about this message this morning we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark and we're going to see an exact comparison of Scripture through Mark and Matthew and Luke And it's a truth we have to grasp. And I will preface it, it may not be a truth that we want to grasp. But it's imperative that we do. It's so important that we understand what the Scriptures reveal to us. You may or may not have seen it before. I would think for the most part it's something that uh, we don't grasp as believers as we look around. But... Here in the Gospel of Mark this morning, there's a fascinating passage. I mean, it is just so intriguing to me personally. And it's crazy to hear our Lord and Savior's response. I mean, the way we often hear and, and, and <clears throat> discern the Scriptures, when we hear this passage, when we hear what Jesus himself says in our human way, in our flesh, kind of what Wayne was talking about this morning, a great truth in Sunday school about avoiding temptation, and but anyway, looking at John the Baptist, but in that flesh, how we often respond when we hear what we're going to hear this morning. And uh, so let's turn to the to the gospel of Mark, the first verse I want to look at uh, and just set a foundation. Here it comes in Mark chapter three, verse nine. Notice what it says here. And as he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. Now this morning I'm going to be reading out the ESV. Mark will be posting the English Standard Version. And uh, we we don't need to really get into much of the, uh, or any of the Greek or Hebrew. The scriptures are straightforward this morning. So for ease of read to make sure we're catching a clear context, it'll be in the ESV. But... He says here, least they crush him. Interesting the fact that at this time there are so many people following Jesus. The crowd is so big that Jesus himself tells them, Go get me a boat. I got to get out of here. You hear what Jesus is saying? The one that says, I came to seek and to save those who were lost, is saying, I got to get away. From the very people I came to seek and to save. The crowds were so desperate for Jesus' miracles. They were so desperate in what they'd been hearing about Christ that they were coming in in, in, throngs of people. Look what it goes on to say in verses 13 and 15. It says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him... Is that not specific? He called to him those whom he what? I thought Jesus wasn't a respecter of person. And he's not. I'm just making you think. (laughs) And he called to him those he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. Apostles, a Greek word, means those that have been with Christ. Be careful when somebody puts a title on the name, Apostle Todd. No, that means those that have been, have walked with Christ. There's only been 12 apostles, bar none. Anyway, so I just don't know why I threw that in there, just FYI, So that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So here in Mark's recording, we see that Jesus appoints his 12 disciples right at the start of his ministry. And, and, and it's, it, it wasn't, understand this, that as we realize this and we understand what Jesus is already deliberately doing, the very start of his ministry, he's called his 12 disciples and he's about to get what we're going to talk about this morning, get into the very first parable he ever spoke. And it's a parable of, of the sower. But before he does that, he leaves the crowd, says, get me out of here. They're they're literally just clinging to me, holding on to me. That they're going to crush us. Get me out of here so I can speak this parable. At the very start of his ministry. Catch this. At the very start of his ministry, he starts with a parable. As we walk through Mark and you continue, you'll begin to realize what Jesus' whole focus was. And this is what we must catch this morning. It was not, it was not to convince the crowds of who he was. He didn't even try. Jesus had compassion for those that were in need. He knew their needs. His heart broke for him. But... Jesus, at this moment, was about the 12 that he chose. So much so that he left the crowd to be with 12. And yet it was the most masterful plan that man has ever seen. The most masterful plan. Let me pray this morning, and we'll break this down. Father, thank you for this morning, this opportunity that we can walk through your word, that we can gather the truths that are so pertinent as this morning, and we understand that this is about your kingdom and not our kingdom. We must grasp this purpose, guide us, direct us through your spirit. Anoint the word that is spoken in Christ's name. Amen. I asked Mark to show a video here. This is a video of the Sea of Galilee. This would be the backdrop to Jesus when he's speaking to the disciples and the crowd of people. This is where Jesus first came on the scene. And I wanted to show this video because it's so illustrative of the parable of the sower. And in that parable we're familiar with, it talks about that, that, the, that the Word of God, the seed, is illustrated. The seed, the Word of God, is going to be cast upon three different types of souls. One is going to be a rocky soul that you see here. And that rocky soul, and the hard soul, it, it will bring forth a crop. It will spring up. But as we know, it has no roots. And it says when temptation and trials come, it, it's going to fall and wither. It's not going to withstand life per se but what does sustain life and what does grow is you notice at the Sea of Galilee you see the fertile fields and the Sea of Galilee because of the abundance the Sea of Galilee was critical to the sustaining life of the people of Israel it's where they the all the fishery you know came from, fishery made up a word where, where the fishermen made their living, and people lived off of it in the fertile fields. But notice which one is fertile. Is it the one that's closest to the sea or the one that's the farthest from the sea? Closer. The fertile ground was as close to the water, the water being indicative of the Spirit and the Word of God. And so I just wanted to show that video and just kind of give us a glimpse of what we see here. But this is what's so fascinating because Jesus again starts teaching with the parable and he describes exactly with what he was dealing with in this vision we saw. This parable is to paint a picture for the folks to understand that Jesus was well aware of what he was dealing with. Obviously he's God. So let's read Mark chapter 4. I'm not not going to ask you to read with me. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. It should be on the screen for us again, uh, be in the ESV. But let me read it for us. It says, And he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into the boat and set it out onto the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. So this goes beyond just the parable of the sower. That's the one that's revealed to us. Jesus is teaching, but he's teaching in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Others fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, here it is, he who has ears to hear, let everybody here let him here Matthew reveals the purpose of the parables even so does Luke and so does mark the first truth revealed and not everyone gets it Don't know if you've ever noticed this, but he had just chosen his 12 disciples and with them amongst the throngs of people. And during this, he's explaining the parable of the soul, the hard ground, the rocky ground, the fertile ground, how it produces the multitudes. But catch this, right after he had spoken that parable to everybody, to everybody, he takes the 12 disciples away. And he explains the meaning of the parable to them. Notice here in Matthew, uh, where is it? Verses 11 through 12. And he said unto them, to you has been given, what? The secret of the kingdom of God. But of those outside, everything is in parables. What's those first two words? So that. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Not the multitude. To the twelve he chose purposely. Not randomly. Jesus didn't say, hey, anybody interested in being a disciple? What I'm going to call an apostle? If you're interested, raise your hand. No, Jesus chose his twelve disciples. And this is who he's talking to. So that. They may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand. lest the least they should turn and be forgiven. We've got to catch this this morning. Again, both Mark chapter 3, Matthew 13, which we read, verses 1 through 9, and even in Luke 11, the same parable is heard and spoken of, and the explanation is only heard of the twelve. They hear it, Jesus says, but they're not going to understand it. Meaning, catch this, this is what we may not like. Jesus intentionally spoke in parables, so what? For those that would not grasp it on purpose. Now, wait a second, I'm having trouble with this, Todd. You're not making sense here. Why is Jesus eliminating people? Why would Jesus confuse people? That's the author of confusion. That comes from Satan, it does jesus is not satan i'll see jesus is purposeful jesus knows who he's sowing to I, I hate to use it. i'll use myself as an illustration of this purpose as a football coach i get accused and get myself find myself in meetings starting from a player that gets to parents They say, well, my son doesn't think that you're giving them a fair chance and blah, 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 and and don't spend as much time with them or invest in them like so-and-so. And And I tell them, well, got to be honest with you. Your son, when they're here, they're not fully engaged. When they're here, they're not doing or appear to have an interest in what I'm asking them to do. The individual or individuals they're accusing me of as showing favoritism are those that are going above and beyond and have a desire to be the best they can be. If that makes sense. As a football coach, and I, I apologize for this analogy, my football, as a football coach, catch this, my job is not to instill in your son a love for football. Did you catch that? I was not hired in 14 years of coaching, I was never hired to instill a love for football in a young man. I was hired to take a young man that loves football and be the best player he can be. You catch that? I know that's a secular analogy, I hate using myself, but I think that hits the nail on the head. I'm going to go ahead and give you the truth right here. We we may end service after this. Jesus did not come to make us fall in love with him or convince us that we should. Or I'll put it this way. Jesus did not come to make us the best Christian he wants us to be. Jesus came to invest in those that want to be the best Christian they can be i.e., he spoke in parables that they did not understand. And he took the 12 aside that he knew their heart. He knew they wanted to be disciples. He knew they wanted to be transformed. He knew he would get a hundredfold out of the disciples. And he took them aside and planted the seed in their fertile hearts. I hope we're catching this. We may not like it. But that's the truth. That's what's good. So that they would understand, Jesus got a hundredfold out of disciples. Jesus knew he would get a hundredfold out of disciples, and that's why Jesus intently for three years invested in the twelve, not in the throngs of people. Those that are only seeking miracles, Jesus says, "I'm casting my seed in rocky soil. They'll grasp it for a little bit." But when the times come, the sun will scorch it and it will wither away. Even some sun will just be like casting it on this slab floor. The birds will just come and eat it. Our Lord and Savior intently chose, knowing whose heart was fertile, who he was going to invest in. It does not mean that you. this isn't something like Calvinism this isn't the tulip this isn't some are chosen some are not no at any time at any time we can be poured into by God when we're ready and we choose to be poured in by God when we make sure our heart is fertile when we make sure the soul is ripe to produce 30 60 or a hundred fold Don't leave here thinking, I just can't believe Todd told us that God, Jesus loves others more than me and Jesus is never going to do anything with me. No. No, 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 no. I think we miss as Christians, we come and say, here I am, Jesus, make me a good Christian. Jesus didn't come to make us a good Christian. He came so we could be a good Christian. And who's going to be? Fruitful and bear fruit is going to be based on which believer's heart is fertile. If not, I can sit up here every day. We can have church seven days a week. If your heart's like this slab or it's in rocky places, it doesn't matter how much of the word of God you hear. It won't matter. It'll be eaten by the birds or as soon as there's a hot sun, it it will die and wither away. it's the hearts that are fertile it's the fertile fields the fields around the Sea of Galilee went right up to the shoreline they were as close and entrenched to the Word of God as it could get it's like a farmer look what says in verses 16 and 17 and these are the ones Sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation and persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. If you went out casting seed, you're just bro- you're just casting seed. You can't lay seed in a unless you're hoeing a row. You know, if you're broadcasting seed, it goes everywhere. If you're a farmer, you you have tilled up ground, but when you go along the edges, some's going to fall into the thistles and the thorns and the rocks as well as the ones that fall in the tilled ground. As a farmer, are you going to come back and and shelter and protect and put a fence around and keep the varmints out of the rocky places? Would that make sense to do that as a farmer? Are you going to water the rocky places and the hard soil? Or are you going to irrigate the tilled ground? Maybe that helps us with the illustration. Well, now you're saying that if my heart's not right, Jesus won't protect me. No, I'm saying Jesus is watering and planting and investing and tilling and working with the hearts that are prepared to receive the seed, his word. If you come to church with a hard heart or a rocky heart, oh, the word right now is being broadcast, is it not? The word is being slung now as I speak. But if your heart's like this slab, it does just no good. Don't have a heart like a slab. I'm not saying anybody here does, but if a believer has a heart like a slab, don't come and hear the word and then hurry up and get through, Todd, because I got some prayers I got to get to Jesus. It's about his kingdom, not our kingdom. Jesus came with purpose. He came to find those who he could pour himself into because Jesus is looking for a 30, a 60, or a 100-fold return. That's what Christ came to do. So he didn't come to save me. Yeah, he came to save you and me. He died on the cross, did he not? That took care of everybody. This isn't about salvation. This is about salvation is taken care of. It's after you get saved, what is our purpose? It's our job to become fruitful Christians. Jesus says, when you get serious about being fruitful, come see me. You know where I'm at. And I'll pour into you endlessly like I did the disciples. I.e., the disciples got truth you and I will not know until we get to heaven. But the scriptures tell us he spoke in parables that they will not understand. Jesus could not spend his time. One, Jesus wasn't omnipresent in the flesh. He couldn't spend his time with the throngs of people that had no interest in him other than just getting a miracle out of him. Jesus says, my time's limited. I'm dying in three years. I'm looking for those that can turn the world upside down for my kingdom, not fulfill your kingdom. I know it's radical. I know it's hard to think of our Lord and see our Lord and Savior in this aspect. I love what Matthew Henry says in his commentary on Mark chapter 4, verse 12. Mark may have it for us. Let's go ahead and read it again that may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they be forgiven. Listen, this is quoted from Matthew Henry. While it gratified their curiosity, it was the punishment of their stupidity. They willfully shut their eyes against the light, and therefore justly did Christ put it in the dark lantern of a parable which had a bright side towards those who applied it to themselves and who were willing to be guided by it but to those who were only willing for a season to play with it the truth it only gave a flash of light now and then and sent them away in the dark we have a lot of believers I believe very strongly be hard convince me otherwise a lot of believers walk around playing in the dark spiritually they hear truth it flashes this light before them they go oh wow okay I, I see I see but they don't hear and it ends up being darkness to them As a believer if we see a season has transpassed and we haven't grown in wisdom and knowledge on the Lord we haven't grown a doctrinal foundation. We haven't deepened our roots spiritually. As a believer, you may want to start looking at your heart. Well, I go to church all the time. I listen to the radio all the time. I do devotion. I just, I just don't grasp anything. I just never grow. One thing we would need to look at is where is the seed falling? What's the seed falling on? Is it cultivated? Is it tilled? Is it seeking the word of the Lord? Is it harboring it? Is it being watered continually so it can bring forth fruit? It's not just hearing. This is what Jesus is stating, that they shall not see. Who hide their eyes from the purpose, from his purpose. Back to verses 18 and 19. Jesus clarifies this point. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke out the word. If the believer is in love with the world and the riches and the desires of the flesh and the lust, not just sexual, just the lust of the flesh, If the heart is like that, the word is going to pierce darkness in their life. And this is going to choke out the word of God. Jesus made the point over and over and over again, clearly. You look at Luke 17. He says, hey, look, you want to follow me? You got to give up on this world. If you want to follow me, you need to give up on this word. If you want to be serious about following me, if you want to seek my kingdom and not this temporal kingdom, Luke 17 makes it clear. You know, hate your mother, hate your father, your brothers and sisters. Pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus is telling us, I didn't come just to bring a bunch of miracles with me yes he is a miracle worker yes he will work miracles in his time in his way and in his purpose god is the definer of miracles not us but his purpose wasn't just to bring a bunch of miracles for us that wasn't the purpose jesus is looking to see where and in who he can cast the seed where the heart is fertile soil where dark truths can be seen Understood and cherished and bring forth the fruit that he's calling us to. Because it says in verse 20. What are you talking about? But those that were sown of the good soul, or the, excuse me, sown on the good soul, are the ones who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit 30, 60, and a hundredfold. This was Jesus' focus. His focus was on rich, fertile soil that he knew would bring forth increase. That's why he purposefully and intently chose the 12 disciples. He knew who he chose. He knew he had. He knew who would bring forth a hundredfold. We may not like it, but this does it, it does not illustrate Jesus I oh, will put it this way if we just want Jesus to be a safety net if we see Jesus as just our our you know our backup just to protect us when we're in need and trouble or have wants then the parables i.e. the word of god is going to be in darkness to us it's not going to unfold the power of it is not going to resonate in our life. It's not going to bring forth abundance. Jesus tells us. His own words tells us that they will not. But for those who seek after Jesus, keep their hearts cultivated through the richness of His Word, make their heart fertile, then Jesus, like the disciples, will pour into that Spirit endlessly. The Word of God will just unveil itself. What was dark will now become light. What was unfruitful will now bring forth fruit that others can partake of. I'm afraid we miss the clarity of Jesus' kingdom. We're so infatuated with crowds, with attention, with personal possessions with personal goals. I mean, it, it blows my mind that we live in the world now that we have made profitable careers out of social media influencers. I, I still can't even grasp how that works. And yet there are individuals that are millionaires. As what I mean, I, I know what a social influencer is, but <laughs> how we've gotten to a point that this is a career that is pursued by people the number of media likes affect our thoughts and our feelings well i post that and so and so got all kinds of, i posted something very similar and nobody commented on mine it affects our feelings and our thoughts We post things and we go back and look and see how many likes or hits it has. Jesus is telling us that he is focused on seed bearers with fertile hearts to plant himself in. Those that are committed. Jesus knows what we don't often acknowledge. Does his kingdom resonate in our life look at verses 30 and 32 of mark 4 and he said being Jesus with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it and this is what Jesus gives us it is like a grain of mustard seed remember the mustard seed of faith that can move mountains the smallest of seeds. It's like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, fertile ground, even the smallest, when sown on fertile ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. That's the parable that Jesus answered about the sower at the end of Mark chapter 40. He said, this is what's about. It's about preparing your heart, having your heart cultivated and prepared for my word. Let me plant just the smallest of seed known to man in it, But it will become the largest plant in the garden. So large that its branches will put out shade that the birds, i.e. the souls of man in need of rest, come to me that are heavy laden and burdened, that will put forth branches and shades that the birds can come and nest and shelter themselves. Does our ministry, does our walk put forth branches that others can? Can find shelter in hope shade rest peace strength encouragement hope if i didn't already say that notice when the gospel was first preached it was first preached by very few people people of no account Talked about this morning Sunday school. Started with John the Baptist in the New Testament. A nobody. A nobody. Had no place to lay his head. Unkept. Crude clothes. He stuck. He ate off the land. But yet he was a voice crying in that wilderness. John the Baptist made it clear he came. Understanding the purpose of Jesus' kingdom and not his own kingdom. The Lord made himself, it says, of no pompous appearance. It says there was no form of comeliness to him. That's the Greek word meaning appearance. If you think our Lord and Savior would have been on the cover of GQ magazine, he would not. He was of no appearance. He drew no attention to himself. Well, you just said he had crowds of people. Yeah, he had crowds of people and those that he can make talk and see and walk again. They didn't care what he looked like. They just wanted what he had. When Jesus says, yeah, but let me tell you what my purpose is and what I have for you. I'm not interested in that, Jesus. But, but, but here's my list that, that I need from you. I need my marriage restored. I need my kids to do right. I need, I need my health to get better. I, I need my finances to grow. I need I, these are what I need for my kingdom, Lord. Jesus, I didn't come for your kingdom. I came to establish my kingdom. I didn't come to make you better. I came that you can be better, so others can come to my kingdom. Jesus, I didn't come for numbers. God in flesh, the teacher of all teachers, the wisest man that's ever been in flesh, had 12 people following him. 12. Three-year ministry, and he had 12. John chapters or Mark or John? John chapter 6, I believe it is Historians say at one time, he may have had around 110 to 120 disciples estimated. He gave one sermon... About eat my flesh and drink my blood, it says they walked with him no more. One sermon he went from hundreds back down to twelve, and he asked the twelve, Are you two gonna quit following me? At least they had enough sense, said no, it's about your kingdom. Who else has the words of truth but you? Jesus says, I can work with that. Because the hundreds following him with the title of disciples, they weren't rooted. In Christ, they were being a disciple because what they got by way of being a disciple. The Lord Himself did not turn this world upside down, the 12 disciples turned the world upside down. Why? Because they brought forth a hundredfold. That's why Jesus chose them. He knew what he was choosing. He knew what he had. He knew the labor involved. He knew their hard-headedness. Even them, he said, verily, verily, how long must I tarry with you? But he knew their hearts desired the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, that's what I can work with. And when he left, those 12 men turned this world upside down. And it led to yours and mine's own salvation somewhere along the line. It happens multiple, multiple times again. I hate to use myself as an illustration. Be out, somebody, Sam and I will be out doing whatever out of town. What do you do? Gets around. uh, I'm a pastor. And they, oh, how long? I say, well, about 24 years, not mainly as a, you know assistant, associate. I said, here just the last five years, uh, you know, is a lead pastor. And what do you think their very first question is after that? Huh? Yeah, how big is your church? Like there's any relevance in that compared to truth, is there? There's no, we know that. And I'll say, ah, oh, we're small. We're about 100. We average about 60 or 70. And after I say that, almost every time what do you think the response is it's one word it's really just a sound oh and what do they mean by oh in reference to me not personally but to me as a quote-unquote pastor by saying oh what are they yeah what are they saying Jason you must not be any good or you'd have a lot more than 100 We know churches in Houston and throughout America have 40,000 plus. What are you doing wrong? I only say that for the purpose of, there it is. Jesus took 12. Jeremiah's ministry is about 42 years, and they said that he has somewhere less than 50 disciples after 42 years. They'd probably scream, oh, to Jeremiah, would they not? And yet it's one of the greatest writings and scriptures we have, the ministry of Jeremiah. And the greatest ministry of all was our Lord and Savior that only had 12. But he took 12 that he knew would understand the parables he gave to them because they wanted it. They didn't follow Jesus. Oh, I'll drop my nets and follow you. I'll let you go. I'll drop my nets and follow you if you can fulfill, if you can accomplish this list for me, Jesus. Did the disciples have any prerequisites? It says they dropped their nets and followed Jesus when he said he'll make them fishers of men. Well, what do you mean fishers of men? That doesn't even make sense. Jesus says we've got three years to talk about that. And Lord, did they not? Didn't make sense, but you know what I mean. Lord, did they not grasp after three years what it meant to be fishers of men? And that's all they did was build the kingdom of God. They understood the purpose. And that's why Jesus spoke the parable get me away from this crowd, they're going to kill me, put me in the boat. He gets in the boat. He says he spoke parables and other parables. And then he left the crowd and took 12 and said, let me explain it to you. Because you'll understand it. He had compassion on the crowd he left. But he had purpose with the 12. You want Christ to have a purpose with your life? You want your life to have a purpose in Christ? We've got to get our hearts like the 12. And we'll find more purpose and more growth and more hope and more truth will be revealed to us than we've ever grasped in our lives the more we're focused on His kingdom and not our kingdom. That blows my spiritual mind. That Jesus would say, get me away from these people. They're going to kill me. Physically, I think you can add in emotionally, burdensome. Get me away from them. Let me tell them what they want to hear. Let me tell them the truth. Well, not what they want to hear. What they need to hear, I'll tell it to them. They won't understand it. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all verify the same context. He took the disciples away and explained the parable to them because their heart was ready for it. I know it's a heavy truth, I know it gives us a perspective of how our Lord and Savior worked. Doesn't mean He only loves some people or loves some better than others. Jesus had three years. And he had to make that investment worthwhile for the kingdom of God. Are we worthwhile concerning the kingdom of God? Are we prepared? Are we, do we have our hearts in a place that Jesus and the word of God can pour into us that we can be 30, 60, and 100 fold? Or are we still grasping onto our list of things we need from Jesus? Our kingdom, His purpose. Amen? Let's stand. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the the truth of your word within the parable itself. It shouldn't be confusing to us. That jesus started with the parable started his ministry with a parable that the majority of the people did not even catch didn't even understand it father we got to understand that we got to grasp your kingdom your purpose it's not about us it's not what we're trying to obtain but if we want to be your disciples if we want to bring forth fruit like the 12 disciples if we want to put forth branches that offer hope to those around us then Jesus you made it completely clear our heart has to stay fertile it has to stay prepared to receive your word Father we thank you for the challenge but we understand that you didn't come just to make us Christians you came to guide us to be Christians that choice is up to us we thank you for your truth we thank you for your word we thank you for the greatest gift your eternal sacrifice you're willing to step out of out of eternity past into temporal time to die for our sins, it starts there. As the music plays, as the Lord leads you, no better time than now. You can also do it where you're standing or sitting. Or you can make a maybe a bolder profession to come forward and just talk to Jesus about your heart where it's at is it fertile how fertile is it how much seed how much truth are you receiving in your walk are you growing in the lord not everybody will bring forth a hundredfold or sixty or thirty i think in all fairness that's illustrative But are we able to be invested in that we can bring forth, that we can spring up like that mustard seed, that we can be a source that others can turn to and find hope in Christ? Folks are praying. Come pray with them. Come pray for yourself.
2: Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, that you I just pray that you'll be with us as we go home. If people that are not here that are sick, they come back healthy. And